Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of About Abroad, where it's my job to introduce you to people who have built amazing lives for themselves in various foreign corners of the globe. We're talking with expats and thought leaders about moving abroad, remote work, visas, and all the fun and practical knowledge that you need to know to follow in their footsteps. If you've ever dreamed of making a life for yourself overseas, maybe working remotely or embracing long-term travel, retiring or studying abroad, or even just taking a peek inside life beyond your borders, you've landed in the right place. This episode is brought to you by my friends over at Lexity. I've lived abroad in various countries, and one common denominator I've found is that dealing with foreign bureaucracy is a nightmare. Trying to navigate visa and immigration waters in another language is not something I'd recommend ever trying on your own, even for the most experienced of us. So when I recently had to renew my Spanish visa again, I turned it over to the pros at Lexity. They've already helped more than 5,000 expats and digital nomads find a home and thrive in countries like Portugal, or in my case, Spain, also Italy, France, and Greece. Some very desirable locations indeed. So whether you're trying to obtain your first visa abroad, purchase a property, or work through international tax issues, Lexity's team of friendly lawyers is here to simplify your journey. The team is super knowledgeable, bilingual, and thorough, and I seriously cannot recommend their services enough. My experience working with them has been incredible, and I can honestly say I don't know that I would have EU permanent residency if it wasn't for the help of the team at Lexity. So if you're ready to make your move abroad, then Lexity is offering an exclusive discount to About Abroad listeners. Grab 10% off your first service with the code aboutabroad2023 and learn more over at lexity.com in the show notes and start your abroad journey today. My guest today is my good friend, John Lee. You may remember him. He is the previous guest here on the show and the co-founder of Work From Anywhere. He's also a global citizen, world traveler, speaks about 10 languages, and has recently moved to Portugal, which is what we dove into today. I've been dying to know more about this move to Portugal and learn how he made it happen, why he chose where he chose, and any of the details that may be useful for those of you thinking of doing the same. Portugal's currently ranked number one in the world for expats to move to, and it is really easy to understand why when you hear all the great things that John has to say. So I was excited to get him back on the show. I've been looking for a reason to catch up with him, and this provided it. So a lot of fun catching up with him. I think you guys will enjoy this one, especially if you're considering a move to Portugal for the short term or the long term. He's got a lot of great info to share. So please help me in welcoming John Lee to About Abroad. Welcome back. I, I know what's been going on in your life. We communicate over all the messaging apps that are in our world, but I haven't had a chance to sit down and ask you about this. You made the move since we last talked from Ireland to Portugal. And Portugal is one of those digital nomad hotspots. Expats are moving there from all around the world. I think it's number one in the world right now as far as uh, places to move to from abroad. So I am thoroughly interested in Portugal. I know the audience is. I get tons of questions about Portugal, the D7 visa, all of that. You're also a tax expert and you understand like the, the risks associated with tax and legal entities and moving abroad and all of that. So wealth of knowledge. And I, but most importantly, from just a personal standpoint, how is Portugal? And I want to, I want to dive into this. Portugal, Chase, is, is incredible. I mean, I suppose you've got to go back to what happened back in November. So my eldest, Rosa, she's the famous celebrity of, of the family. I've got three kids, as I mentioned before. Rosa is five, Esme is three, and Barrett is one. 
And Rosa, you know, we had traveled to 25 countries in the five years of being in this earth. And what happened was, is she, we'd been back in Ireland during COVID with close to my, my own parents. And basically she started the same school that I went to when I was younger. And for me, that was a very special moment last September. And essentially what happened was, is in November, we were very settled. We, we knew we did wanted to go traveling again when that would be, we weren't too sure, but we were quite happy in Ireland. And essentially the owners of the house that we were living in said they wanted to move back in. We've had such a turbulent couple of years between everything. All of us have COVID and whatnot. Um, and essentially, we basically said, what are we going to do here? We initially felt kind of very sorry for ourselves. We said, this is a bit of a, a real disappointment. And we kind of had a look and said, well, hold on a second. Let's look at other properties in, in Ireland, in uh, Limerick, uh, where we were living. And basically, you know, a three-bedroom house was actually a real property crisis in Ireland. And there was nothing available. So we, we looked at moving to work or Dublin or Galway. And again, same problem. There was really very little of any property there uh, time. And so we sat down to ourselves, you know, again, felt sorry for ourselves for the first two or three days, but then all of a sudden got up and said, hold on a sec, you know, remote work. I've basically been speaking to people all over the world from the comfort of my home office there in Ireland. I could just easily, just as easily work remotely abroad. We've been doing it for the last six years as a digital nomad family anyway. We've been working remotely in Thailand and all around Europe and whatnot and all over uh, all over Asia. And so we said, let's embrace it. So what I did was I sat down, I looked at every single country across the multiple different dimensions, you know, across cost of living, family education, healthcare. Uh, we looked at taxes, all sorts of different aspects. And more or less, Portugal came up really, really high on top. And literally within a week, I was on a flight over to Portugal, finding schools, found an amazing school. And, and literally, like there we were in March this year, we moved over literally four months later. So uh, it's been a whirlwind. I mean, we're only here just over four months, but it's been an amazing whirlwind. I cannot say enough. The kids are flourishing. My wife is flourishing. You know, I'm just loving every bit of it. What, what were some of the elements that you that you looked at and evaluated? So we had a we had a couple of ones. So well, first of all, uh, and I'm actually I'm happy to to share with you. Anyone that comes to me, I'm I always kind of happy to share with them as to how we did it. I'm, I'm going to actually uh, walk you through it now, basically. So if we look at different aspects that you have, you basically have Nomad List is great. Uh, how high is it ranked there? For example, Nomad List is a great tool. It doesn't have a huge amount when it comes to families though, or digital nomad families, but it's a very, very good tool. You've got Nomad List then, best ranking for families, the CEO world, best to raise kids. Uh, is it, for example, a high-risk country? What's the crime rate by country? What's the average temperature? Healthcare ranking, COVID rankings for case fatality ratio, cost of living index, looking at double taxation agreements, individual tax, corporation tax. You know, there's a whole bunch of different factors that go into it. So with all of that, Portugal came up really, really high. And then we literally went into each country. Portugal was was very high. Estonia, Bulgaria, funny enough, Croatia. Uh, there's a couple of different countries that came up very, very high. But Portugal was the one that was winning it for us. And luckily, we had a neighbor that moved to Portugal only a couple of, only literally a couple of months previously and so long story short that's that's essentially what we did we more or less organized the flight over and the first school i went to was a school called apprentices which is quite interesting because they basically i can tell you more about it but i i i just fell in love with the school as soon as i got there there's kids holding hands jumping around having a great time and there's a bit more of that education piece which i'll probably touch on in a bit but for me that did it for me. wow sometimes i love doing a podcast but i really wish that this was like a youtube channel because i would love for people to be able to see what i was just looking at like at the the fields that john was describing were laid out in this incredibly beautiful, beautiful if you're a nerd like me and like Excel sheets, beautifully laid out, super detailed spreadsheet that had so much information packed into it, links to tons of resources. That was amazing. Have you thought about publishing that somehow? Like, like is there a public access well, to actually, that? Well, actually, I did. Anybody, I can. I can share a link. I'm happy to share. I, I've already made it uh, available for anyone who comes looking for it. And uh, anyway, I, anyone, anyone I show it to, they will sell. I know you're a nice guy, but you should sell that. that that's like a, that's a super valuable tool. I mean, there, there's so much info packed in there. Um, if 
I, I, we'll, we'll confirm after the show. But if we can place a link to that, we'll put it in the show notes so people can see because tons of information there, very, very useful and like a great way to break down, like like analytic, analytically look at, okay, here's where we should go. Here's what makes sense for us. Exactly. And I've, I've literally, I've, I've just shared it with you there, the link and feel free to share it in the, in the show notes afterwards. For me, it's a, you know, a very tangible example of how you can kind of rigorously put it together. And again, for me, like that's my thing. I build algorithms, build databases, very financially orientated. But again, you'll, you'll get it again. We've like, uh, just like kind of shared history between the two of us, you know, you'll appreciate it. Uh, uh, I do. I do totally appreciate it. Well, well, Portugal like needs no introduction, I think. I mean, it's a it's an awesome European country. It's safe. It's it's beautiful. It's got history. It's got great weather. It's tax advantageous in a, in a lot of ways for people moving abroad. So I, I think it goes without saying that it's a, a great place to go. But then again, you also had a million different places you could have gone. So when, when you finally got there and moved into Portugal, do you mind sharing a bit about like where you chose within the country and, and what drug you to that particular area? Yeah, absolutely. More than happy to. So there's a couple of different factors. When we looked at Portugal, one of the things I did for every single country is I basically looked at the most popular places, the places that are less popular. I looked at like everything from some, like, uh, some small towns to the big cities, basically. And more or less what happened was is uh, more Cascais came up very, very highly. But what happened was is we had a neighbor of ours that had moved to Cascais near Lisbon. We wanted to be by the sea. That was for us was a key driver. Um, and we wanted, it was actually quite simple. In a lot of ways, we wanted to be close to the sea and we wanted to make sure it was good kids' education. And, and luckily, we had basically a neighbor of ours that, that moved over to Cascais about a year ago, basically, and they absolutely loved it. So what happened was, is I, I more or less flew over to Lisbon and, and stayed with them for a couple of days. And I, I managed to find a school called Aprendizes, basically. It's, it's, kind of, it's a high, most schools, when you go to a destination, you go to a new place you're looking at living in, you've got two types of schools. You either have the local schools, where it's all done to the local language, local teachers and whatnot, local curriculum, or you have the international schools, which is done typically in English or French or German or whatnot, um, and it's done through the international. So when we went to Aprendizes, what was really interesting, it's a high hybrid school. What does that mean, hybrid school? It's kind of unusual. Basically, is led by Portuguese. They speak Portuguese in the morning and English in the afternoon, for example. They really get deep into Portuguese culture, very outdoor, very affectionate, very affectionate people in there. The kids get a lot of loving. And as well as that, they're on the international curriculum. So it really is the best of both worlds. Fantastic. Can't say enough about it. So when I went in there that first day and the kids were holding hands, they were all so happy. I said to myself, our kids are going to really, really love this. You know, that was a major driver. Absolutely. Oh, that's incredible. I cannot say enough about how what an incredible experience that must be to have the hybrid, a little bit of both, because I think I think it's amazing when a family goes to a foreign place and completely immerses in the culture and gives the, the kids that experience. But I also understand that there's a there's a bit of loss there. There's a trade off there where you 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 lose a little bit. I mean, kids can take a step back in that in those times, especially in the early years. So I, I think that's that's a really amazing concept. I had not heard of that before. Well, I give you I give you an example. Now, this is where it gets very interesting. So what we found was, of course, we were worried about our kids moving. What would it be like? Um, what we found interesting is we've got Esme is our middle child uh, and she was of going through, you know, the terrible twos, then going to point three. We booked a five-week trip to Thailand in December and January, which was an amazing experience. There's another little story about that. But the, the second we landed, two things happened. Barra, who my, my youngest, who's like only one, who hadn't been, you know, who'd been having a, some difficulty sleeping. It was like sleeping for, like not sleeping for four months straight. As soon as we landed, the second we landed in Thailand, bang, he starts sleeping. Then Esme literally just blossomed in Thailand. We went back to Ireland where, you know, the weather obviously isn't as nice. They're not getting as much vitamin C. Uh, the weather was pretty crap or whatnot. And and 
Esme just wasn't quite herself. The second we moved over to Portugal, all of a sudden she is like this, it's just blossomed again. So it was really interesting how something as, you know, something as simple as just vitamin C from just being around the sun and outside can make such a difference. Now, there's obviously other factors as well. But for me, that was a shock to the system of literally how the environment you're living in, you know, can, can literally have a, quite a big impact. I mean, I love Ireland, and especially when we get to go better in the summer, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful place uh, and full of great people. But but obviously, I, that was quite interesting, just the different physical environments and the, diff- the difference that it had on the kids. That, I'm sure that wasn't a factor you were even like fully accounting for, sort of like a, a, a bonus, but <laughs> what a nice silver lining. <laughs> you can imagine like Barry not sleeping for four months, we were going, tearing our hair out, and then all of a sudden, then he lands over in Thailand, like he's sleeping, I like slept the whole night through, no problem at all. So sometimes it is just shaking it up a bit just changing the environment a bit for kids that can have a massive impact like now the kids like you should see like the, 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 there's so much love in the school they're blossoming the the culture of how they teach in the school the way they approach it the kids are doing brilliant bar is doing great he's found his voice now he's a little Pavarotti uh literally tearing the place down but he's doing great i mean uh, and, and d as well for me like she's and that was really important for me. We, we've uh, we've had our own turbulence over the last five years between uh, like our own first business, which failed. COVID didn't help that, but uh, you know, going through that and uh, and then uh, obviously with COVID, obviously at uh, uh, living in Ireland, and then now all of a sudden we come to this environment, and really we found our tribe, Chase. Like that's the other side of it is the people that are here. You know, the other like-minded entrepreneurs, the energy of other people who are, let's say, expats lived around the world. And what's really interesting, this for me blew my mind, but all of us that are here and we're connecting with our tribe, they're all people that have lived in different countries. And, and what's interesting is we ask them all, we say, listen, do you have an urge to go traveling again? And, and every single one of them say, no, we're in paradise. Why, why would we? Why would we? You know, I don't get me wrong that we all will go traveling at different stages. That's part of our, our, our DNA. But it's fascinating that there's so many people here say that we found our tribe here, you know, and, and we're just literally living in, in paradise, which is a big statement to make, but it's something I can definitely echo. Yeah. I mean, that that says something coming from you. You've lived in, like, you, I recall from our first conversation, you've lived in many, many countries. I don't know the exact number. I don't know if you define that somehow. But to say that says a lot about Portugal. Oh, yeah, no, completely. I mean, if you if you look at the, you know, the countries I've properly lived for a number of years, and I mean, I've lived in Germany, I've lived in the Netherlands, I've lived in Thailand, uh, Ireland and Portugal. But then the countries I spent more than a month in, yeah, you can start adding a whole bunch of other countries in this. And I've been to probably at least 70 countries overall. But, but then speaking the six languages, four them fluently and now a seventh with Portuguese for example you know I've definitely seen my fair share of, of different countries but I think they do a couple of things here that really stand out and I think we've got to be careful here because you know, Portugal it is so popular but we've got to be careful that there's so many people don't come here that they overrun the locals and you've got to watch out for that with property prices that's a very very important thing but if you look at the what makes Portugal special there's a couple of key factors that really kind of come very very strongly uh, I mean for me it's obviously the weather the lifestyle you know cost of living it's not grocery expensive here if i want to get a taxi you know like a 10 minute taxi into cash guys it's probably going to cost me maybe four euros like that generally speaking cost of living is good um obviously from a tax perspective there are components there that certainly are, are very very attractive but it's also just the energy that you have here as well great healthcare, a fantastic education system there's some like that's the other thing some of the most innovative educators and education systems in the world going on here. I could go into the detail, but there's a lot of things that really do stand out. And of course, I think, you know, one of the things to watch out is managing that and make sure that's sustainable over the long term. So they've they've kind of pulled back a bit on the golden visa, for example, recently, fair enough. And what about NHR? Will that stay going for long term? But we're already seeing a lot of people moving from Places like London, you know, places like Silicon Valley, for example, there's a lot of, of people that we've met that have moved over there and used the geo arbitrage play to, to be able to come over.
We'll be right back to the show after a quick break for a note from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you in partnership with my friends over at Lamont & Co. If you're planning a retreat, offsite, or group gathering of any kind this year, I highly suggest tapping into their extensive knowledge and experience to help you find the best possible venue for your event. I work with Kim, who has become my trusted advisor when it comes to planning any event around the world, and she's literally saved me hundreds of hours of work and has located venues I never would have found on my own. She even provides me with budget breakdowns and cost estimates for each each location I'm interested in and negotiates contract terms on my behalf all for free. If it sounds too good to be true, I thought the exact same thing at first, but I can assure you this is the real deal. Lamont is paid by the venues, not by you. So there's no cost, risk, or obligation here. So do yourself a favor and contact Lamont via the link in the show notes when you're planning your next group, retreat, offsite, or gathering. If you've made it this far into the episode and you're still enjoying yourself, then I would love to ask a quick favor. Open up the app that you're using to listen to this podcast and leave a quick review. You can do this in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and really just about any platform that allows podcast listening now. If you can't find that in the interface of the app, then scroll down in the show notes and find ratethispodcast.com slash aboutabroad, and you should be able to leave it from there. Thanks so much, guys. We really appreciate it and hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Okay, now back to the episode. Can, can you tell me a little bit about Cascais? Because I, I find this is a place that is popping up on the radar a bit more. And, and I, bet a lot of, I bet it's not on the radar for, for a lot of listeners. Okay, so Cascais, what's, where exactly is it, first of all? So it's about 25 minutes west of Lisbon. So in Lisbon, you know, if you're someone that likes to you know, live by a beach, like Lisbon itself isn't by a beach, but Cascais is. The nearest kind of, like Cascais and Estoril would be the, the closest to it. Um, and so what have you got? You've got these beautiful beaches. It's a, I would describe it as a kind of a place where a lot of maybe the wealthier Portuguese would have gone, maybe in years gone by, they would have maybe had a summer home here, would have been like a, a relatively quiet uh, town, for example. But what's happened since then is in the last certainly couple of years is people have seen what would remote work. Actually, hold on a second. We can work remotely there. We can be close to Lisbon if you want to go in for anything like that. Um, but it's a lovely it's a lovely town with a real Portuguese character, to, you know, and, and yes, you've got everything that you need locally here as well. So you've got a lot of uh, kite surfing, a lot of windsurfing, gorgeous beaches, great schooling in Port. That's crucial. Really great schools. So it's kind of the balance of it has been more international complement the, the locals that you have here, but still a very kind of authentic local Port Portuguese field. Sounds like a pretty perfect combination. Close to Lisbon. I mean, you, you've got like all the amenities that Lisbon has, which is, you know, like big international airport. You can fly all over the world and, and within Europe from there, you're you're just 25 minutes from that. Uh, the city's amazing. I, I love Lisbon to visit. I don't know that I want to like live in Lisbon. It's a, li- a little crazy. I mean, I get it. People, people love living there. But like if, if that's not your thing, you're right outside of it. You're right along the beach. You get all the amenities and the good weather and the infrastructure of, of Portugal. And, and being within the EU, but you're just outside the city. The, the biggest surprise, uh, honestly, Chase, for me, and, and this applies to probably all of Portugal, you know, is, is actually the food. Food is amazing. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah. amazing. Like Portuguese food is so underrated. I'm, I'm, I mean, I came here when I was younger, Portugal, and on holidays with my parents um, every now and again. But but I never really appreciated how damn good the food is. And if you look at Portugal on a, on a high level map, where can people go? You can go to the Algarve. That's typically where the people and the staff parties or the retirees might go it's kind of quite enough it peaks up during the summer but you know all year round it's quiet um and then you're left with you know pretty much either you want to live near the big cities you've got Lisbon or Porto 
Or you've got these beautiful little villages like Sierra, for example. There's a whole bunch of them up along the coast that are, can be just absolutely beautiful. It depends on what your energy is. If you want, you know, like Sierra is one of the most beautiful towns of probably uh, I've been in. Again, great food. But again, if you're a surfer, again, that would be, you know, if you're in a small town, kind of get away from all that can be great. You can also go up into the mountains in, say, a couple of uh, kilometers inland as well. Or if you want, let's say, the energy of the likes of the, of the Lisbon supporters, you can go for that as well. And of course, the weather will be a bit better as you go further down south, you know. Uh, so that was essentially why we uh, moved in. Essentially, with, with no effort, honestly, Chase, with no effort at all, it does just so many great people here to meet. I mean, it does help having being yeah, kids in school. It's an easy way to get to meet people. But we've really found it now, really open-minded people here. I know I'm, I, I know what I'm doing now. I'm probably over selling it and there's going to be a whole lot of people moving tomorrow and the house price will go up. The only downside is house price. Honestly, being open and honest is that because it's been so popular and it's uh, people can see how special it is, is, you know, uh, like house prices to rent or buy have just gone through the roof. You know, they really have. Like they, I've been speaking to people who, you know, like for argument's sake, they were renting a place three years ago. They got a deal for like, for argument's sake, uh, you know, 2,500 euros and they go to try and, you know, extend it and it's gone up to maybe 5,000, you know? So like, it, like literally uh, rental price literally doubling because five, like uh, three, three years ago, there wasn't as many extra water. Now there's a lot more. And I think that's the fascinating thing for the whole remote work movement you know the fact people are recognizing you had the first wave of people post-covid really embracing this okay i'm going to get up and use covid to reassess my values and figure out where i want to live they're moving to a place like this but what's going to happen over the next three four five years i think there's going to be a lot more uh, moving to different places and figuring out just like you know just like i did and just like you're doing as well yeah absolutely i mean it's one piece of advice i give to people when they're talking about where they want to go move is, is they look at like cost of living and prices and things like that and i i always kind of recommend to like consider that but don't don't make that like your p1 your top priority or like the the thing that you're really focused on because in the end a lot of it does really even out in some way or another. Like you, you might look at some place say, oh, the housing's really cheap there. But then you might find that like little luxuries that you want, like which could be a pizza or a coffee maker or something, are super super expensive. Or the fact that there's you know really bad infrastructure in terms of flights. So when you travel, if you're going to travel anywhere, those flights might be really expensive. Or perhaps the taxes are lower, but then you end up having to pay other fees and such for social needs and things like that. So there are of course differences. Some places are more expensive than others. But I think in a lot of ways, those those things can balance out to a degree to where you shouldn't make that like your your focus when you're looking to move somewhere. Well, yeah, I mean, we spoke about it in the last time as well, if not mistaken, is looking at it interculturally as well. Like we often talk about material things about, OK, how much does it cost? Or what about property doesn't have a physical beach or location? And, and that stuff is really important. But also, you know, how important is it for us as individuals to connect? Like we're, why, why, why are we enjoying this chat so? much chase yeah. we're enjoying because we've a, we a good personal connection or personalized match and we're just having we're in the flow but likewise the same thing for countries you know you have intercultural components like countries have a, an average of how people typically are and they can still have wide variations in it but they can have intercultural dimensions of how people typically behave and people don't actually recognize that there's a whole bunch of data points where you can actually fill your own questionnaire like a personality questionnaire see how that maps onto uh, you know the country you're going to and just to see for example where the differences are i mean i give you a very tiny a very tangible example. I spoke to a couple who had been basically living in New York and I, and I said, look, how are you finding us? And we're just loving it here. It's great. We're so happy. You know, it's been great. And they said, yeah, we, we are. We, we do love it. We love the house and we love the location and we love the, you know, the beach and the rest of it and schools. Well. But I said, the one one thing that really bugging us is just how they see time. Is, and you know, they, we want something done. We're used in America getting it done straight away. But over here, like they're just, you know, and I was like, well, if you think it's bad here, try Spain. We'll say. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a manana manana. But but that's an interesting component of how people they do, looking internally themselves. What are their values? What are the things that are important to them? And, and actually recognizing that, like just because there might be a place that it might have a nice beach or you might be able to get a nice house or it might even have a nice school, if your value set is very different for the people there, try and look at that, you know, and, and assess that before you go there because that could be the thing that really breaks you that really doesn't make it that fit. Absolutely, yeah, I, that that always cracks me up. I mean, I, I've done my fair share of complaining about things. It's natural, something just frustrates you, but you have to take the the quote unquote good with the bad because I mean you, that that's all part of the adventure and the experience. If you wanted to stay home and just be comfortable and do the same thing and, and do what you're used to, then then you should have stayed home. <laughs> uh, this is this is all part of the uh, the fun in a, in a way. So you know that's but I, I wanna I wanna ask you one thing real quick. You're an EU citizen, so you're moving within the EU is fairly straightforward. Although I think it's a little bit oversimplified in people's minds that aren't from the EU. So I would love if you could just quickly touch on. You don't need to go into too much detail, but was there anything that caught you off guard as far as and your experience? So you've moved around to different countries within the EU, but for someone that maybe hasn't, you know, anything, any advice you would give them? You're moving from one EU country to another, and then maybe as a second part to that, if you know of anything that a non-EU citizen may really want to kind of keep in mind as, as part of this. If there's anything specific to that, I think it would be good to touch on it. So I give you from two angles. I give you from the person uh, as being EU and also non-EU. But the non-EU example, I'm going to give an example of some friends who are from the UK. So as from an EU citizen, obviously we have huge benefits for freedom and work and movement and whatnot. The big thing for me is that, uh, you know, you obviously know about the business work manager team, we primarily help companies, but I had to basically get individual tax advisors before I moved over from both Ireland and Portugal. And so for me, the big thing was was just before I moved over, figuring out what are the how do we what's the process, what are the risks, what's the structure we should adopt moving over to make sure, for example, they have a thing called NHO regime in Portugal, which is fantastic. But what is the structure that you should use for that? Should you basically take a salary or should you, for example, take it via dividends or what structure should you use? Which should should they set up as a as a as a contractor in Portugal? or do it by the Irish company or what are the different components? What's in the double taxation agreement? And to be honest, for me, I know a lot about tax, but I also know the value of making sure you get the right advisors because we're going to be here for a couple of years. You know, we said, look, an investment, let's get the right structure, give us peace of mind, make sure people... And that was one thing that I knew could catch me off guard. I have known and spoken to other people who didn't think this through and it has definitely caught them off guard. It's no point in looking at this once you get over. you got to set this up. There's certain documents need to be signed and whatnot and logistics getting that done. Um, so for me, you know, like a lot depends on how much you're earning. If you're if you're not earning a very a, a huge amount, it's not you, you might not see the value in it. But if you are, you know, earning a, a large amount, it's definitely something worth thinking about. So there's that piece of it is one piece. So for me, other than that, once we got the advisors to look at it, and in particular, what was interesting was the nuances in the double taxation agreement. So you you know, one country might say one thing, another country might say another. And if you look at the double taxation agreement, sometimes they're they're not a hundred percent clear. What what does this actually mean for X, Y, or Z? Again, that's why you need the experts on through. That was one aspect. So for me, other than that, you know. But the rest of it was actually pretty fine. It was easy enough to get the registration with the local authorities and get all different aspects we needed. I have to say from a, a bureaucracy or administration perspective, it's been an absolute, for the most part, a dream, uh, really, to be honest. If you're non-EU, very different ballgame. And some examples of that would be people from the UK. We spoke to friends who, you know, like they have to look at make sure how much savings they have in their bank account, for example. There's a process, a much longer process that they have to go through to get their residency, their permits or whatnot. You know, uh, there was one case, there was a husband who had a business and they were able to get a residency permit or whatnot. But then the problem was, is for their wife, they had to 
take longer, for example. And they couldn't leave the country. They could not leave the country to see their family in the UK until they got this. And the problem is, is that it could take anywhere from six to 12 or 18 months. Like simple things like, oh, we're looking to buy a car. We have enough money to buy the car, but actually we actually can't, we can't actually go buy the car because we'll have the limit will be low, the bank limit in our, in our account that we need to have to prove to the authorities that we have, you know, efficient savings. So all of these logistics, like really, again, it, in that case, if you're not from Europe, the beauty about speaking to a visa and immigration expert is absolutely critical. So before you even go near the tax advisor, speak to the visa experts. You know, good ones would be visadb.io, for example. They've got a good global network of uh, visa experts and tax experts as well for help individuals, stuff like that. They're quite good. And they'll also tell you what kind of visas that you need. There are other companies as well and the other ones that can, uh, that can help. But uh, they'd be the things for me, my experience from speaking to people. Excellent. Great stuff. I'm going to let you go. I know you've got lots of things to do and I appreciate you uh, joining me for this for this cafe this morning. I want to get you out of here on a, a new tradition that we have here uh, since the last time you joined About Abroad. So the previous guest on the show left a question for you. They didn't know it was going to be you. They just left a random question. And it obviously has pertains to About Abroad content. I'm going to ask you the question and then afterwards you'll leave a question for the next guest. Sound good? Yeah, sounds good to me. All Go right. For it. I'm really, I'm, I'm reading it right now for the first time and I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about this one for you in particular. What do you think is the difference in mindset between someone who is willing to take the leap to start their own business or to start a freelance gig versus someone who is stuck in their nine to five job? What can you advise is the first step towards the mindset change? Okay, well, the big thing, you know, if we look at how we focus on on two major things for our kids that we want them to have, we want to have 99% love, but we want to have 1% resilience. And maybe we can change a 5% or 10% or whatever you define it. But basically, the combination of love and resilience is absolutely a critical component we want in our kids. The kids are growing up in a world where social media and all the different challenges that make it tricky for, for them and having that resilience is critical. And, and if you look at it from a founder setting up a business perspective, so much so much of that is, is really the key differentiator. You know, being a founder, setting up your own business really does require a tremendous amount of resilience. And if you have that, if you have that mindset and you're ready for the roller coaster. The roller coaster means there's going to be amazing highs and there's going to be amazing lows. And you've got to, it's how you respond to those that really define it. So you get yourself up off the canvas. So Knowing, you know, for, for want of a better word, you know, setting up as a contractor, yes, it does require uh, a certain amount of resilience, no question. You've a bit of an uncertainty or whatnot. But setting up your own business, your own startup to really go for something big, that now, now you're talking about you know, the big league of, of massive open failure and massive potential success that you can have. And again, it's resilience. That's the big thing that can take you through it. So they be the ones. And the resilience, even if you're not in doing any of those, resilience, if you have your own job and you don't want to set up as a contractor or, or, or startup, resilience is still very, very important, but it just becomes a much greater magnitude of resilience that you need if you are going to set up your own business. I think I think you hit on something really important there. It's that combination of resilience and passion. You can you can be really really excited about something, love something, want to go for it. But if you're not ex- if you're not prepared for those lows, if you're only focused on the potential highs, then I, then I think you're setting yourself up for failure. And I, I think that's that's really good advice to to expect that you're going to need resilience. And, and resilience is a really important, interesting word, actually, if you really get into it, like you want a boat to be resilient, right? You want a boat to be able to like take on waves and crack like it, it can't be firm and, and not flexible. It'll be too rigid. That'll break. You need it to be resilient and be able to, to take on the, the waves as well as the, the days that are, you know, smooth sailing. So I think that's great. Really important good advice, and I'm glad you used the word resilient. Yeah, no, that's it. That's it. Excellent. Keep on living resiliently and beautifully there, and in, in beautiful Portugal. I'm. I hope I get to visit you sometime in the not too far off future. So, thank you for joining again, John. Great to see you. Great to catch up, and and awesome information as always. Great catching up, Chase. Thanks so many for having me on. Really enjoyed it. <laughs> we'll see you soon. 
Thanks for tuning in today from wherever you are in the world. Once again, I'm Chase, and this has been another episode of About Abroad. For those of you wondering how you can best support the show, I have made it super simple for you. Just go over to the show notes of the episode that you just finished listening to and click on one of the two following links. Aboutabroad.com slash newsletter to get our monthly newsletter. No spam, guaranteed. Or ratethispodcast.com slash aboutabroad where you can quickly and easily leave a review for the show. It's not just important to me. It also helps more wanderers just like you find us. Finally, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, and we will see you again next week. Thanks again. Hasta luego, amigos.